rescue our world from the darkness. Abathar, Cortez, Tara, Saban and Rowan and Nyar. with that half-orc. You dropped his narrative arc like a hot potato. Yeah, he was in the pilot episode and had like two lines. Patience, please. It's called foreshadowing. Cortez will be back soon. Indecision consumed Naya's mind and fended off any chance of sleep. Was she to venture out into the unknown with four people she tangentially knew to face strange and terrible dangers on someone else's quest for revenge? Or was she to stay in Highgate but escape Blackwood, relying only on illegal, unfamiliar tangle root markets and herself? Or, perhaps worst of all, stay in Blackwood and suffocate under her parents' unyielding control? Naya rose from the floor and, with elven grace, stepped over her companion's sleeping bodies and slipped out the door. Her dorm room was ideal for the solitude she needed to clear her mind. Unfortunately, when Naya turned the corner, she spied two brutes, no doubt hired by her parents, overturning the room searching for clues to her whereabouts. Naya fled the campus and town proper. However, she did not wish to re-enter the forest that caused her such trouble already. So, Naya went to the only place she could envision the solitude she sought. Though thoroughly burnt, the structure of the hut formerly belonging to Ianthe, Rowan, and Abathar still stood. The roof had collapsed, blocking the door, and forcing Naya to enter through one of the shattered windows. She laid a charred blanket over the rubble on the floor and sat down. Naya then opened her bag and pulled out a bundle of specially prepared tangle root. With a snap of her fingers, she lit it, laid it before her, and deeply inhaled its billowing green smoke. Okay, so this is a lot. I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. None of my options seem good. What am I better off throwing away? What do I want? And how the fuck do I begin to figure that out? Naya had learned the ritual from an old groundskeeper who had found Naya's hidden garden. The woman had not only kept her secret, but also told her of a remarkable magic hidden within the plant Naya falsely understood to be only a party drug. I'm here to listen. Naya hummed the mantra the groundskeeper taught her. Her breath and the mantra formed a rhythm that overtook her body. Though Naya's eyes were shut tight, she felt if she opened them, she'd see the world moving in the same rhythm. Naya took another deep breath and began to ponder the prospect 
of leaving Highgate. The only thing she knew of the world outside was that it had produced a band of marauders who had destroyed her home. She thought more about what home even meant. Could she call the estate where she lived home? If everything it stood for explicitly detested everything she stood for. Hello, Naya. As if originating from the smoke itself, a faint but familiar voice rose to Naya's ears. Madam Vera, the fortune teller? Don't mind the facade. That is not the question you wish answered. Yeah. There's pros and cons to each path. Each scares me more than anything I've ever imagined, but in one case I'm all alone, while in the other at least I'm with people, arguably friends. I was actually just thinking about the card that you showed me. The the loner guy, the hermit. You said I'd face loneliness. I believe Madame Vera said you'd seek solitude. The intention of the two? differs like sunrise and sunset. Okay, so the reading doesn't apply yet? Patience, Naya. You sought solitude tonight, did you not? That was a reading of your future, which, as an elf, may extend for quite some time. This is certainly not the last time you might seek your own counsel. My own counsel? So... You're just a figment of my imagination? Perhaps I am. Perhaps I'm not. What is solitude if not a quest for one's own counsel? And yet, if I'm not you, then, is this solitude? Okay. So, now what? What does your own counsel say? The question hung in the air as the bundle of Tangleroot burned out. With a gentle swiftness, Naya fell back into the present. Once again, she was alone. Atara awoke with the dawn as she did every day since birth. She looked to the ground where Naya had slept to see her new friend gone. <sighs> Damn. Never before had Atara felt so comfortable with another person. Now she wished Naya were there to help her with the conflicting emotions racing through her mind. Like Naya before her, Atara left the room, seeking a place to think. Not far from the forest edge, but deep enough in its shadow, Atara sat below a tree. You've reached a fork in the road. Gods! <sighs> Standing in the tree above her was the man from the forest. Unlike before, there was not enough darkness here to conceal him. Strangely, he appeared to be not much older than her. On his arm perched a brown and white owl with yellow eyes. Don't worry. I'm not here to tell you which road to take. You've already decided. Then why are you here? I know you know very little of me. But rest assured that my goals are aligned with yours. Even if you don't know it yet. 
Here is a little token of my support. The owl took off from his arm, arcing down through the air. It finally landed on Atara's shoulder and began to poke at her hair with a soft curiosity. Her name is Lavana. She will take care of you, so take good care of her. With a chill breeze, the man disappeared, leaving Atara alone with her new companion. Hi, Lavana. I'm Atara. Atara closing the door pierced through the thin veil of Abathar's sleep. Unlike his new friends, no doubt existed in his conscious mind. Yet, there was one thing he still had to do. Hey, where the fuck is everybody? I don't know. Who just left? Isn't it obvious? Aren't you used to waking up to those loud, lumbering movements? Sabin, why must you make fun of him? And everyone, really. I don't make fun of everyone. Like who? You, for instance. And... Naya. Yeah, I just, you know, try to keep people from getting overconfident. If that is what you intend, you don't accomplish it well. From my point of view, it seems like you aren't a huge fan of yourself, and you can't stand people who are. Okay, well, fuck me then. Sabin, that's not what I meant. Sabin rushed out of the room, leaving Rowan alone. Abathar set out that morning for the shrine to Calpurnia. Regular priests and worshippers had yet to arrive, leaving the young man alone at the altar below a large statue of the goddess. He knelt down and allowed his tumultuous thoughts to form into words. Calpurnia, your humble servant, Abathar Musania, calls upon you. I have always refrained from invoking your name, even in my most challenging hours, trusting that you would never present an obstacle for me that I could not overcome by myself. However, today I must come to you for aid. I am about to embark on a quest for restitution. Those who took our homes away must not be allowed to do so again. Abathar was the name my mother gave me. A good man deserves that name. I fear I cannot be that good man. I hope one day I will earn back that name. Until then, I implore you, Calpurnia, to accept it, to hold on to it for safekeeping. Abathar looked up to see the statue had moved. Now Calpurnia bent over him, with an accepting hand on his shoulder. Today I embark on this quest as Azrael, your emissary of vengeance. I shall bring it swiftly upon your enemies and mine. Those riders and marauders who desecrated your festival and invaded our home will fall to my blade.
friends, my community, we are all gathered here today to mourn the unspeakable. The memorial site was chosen in the fields abutting the fairgrounds, where just over a week ago, Abathar, Rowan, Sabin, and Atara accepted the job from the farmer. The surviving margraves of the provincial oligarchy seized the land after the farmer and his family died in the attack, repurposing it as a memorial to those lost in the sacking of Highgate. Now, Azrael, Rowan, Sabin, and Atara stood at the edge of the fields watching the prayers, unable to break away, not yet having found an opportunity to discuss or act. They stood still with the rest of the attendees as the official eulogies concluded. So stunned were they by fear and anticipation. So Naya decided not to come? I guess not. Finally, the crowd began to disperse, some to help with the burial, others to go home and mourn in private. Through the shuffle, they could see Benedict standing next to his mother, wiping tears from his face. Oh. So he does have feelings. Sabin, he just lost his father. Now, I'm just supposed to forgive him for being an asshole? Are we just forgetting how he's responsible for that kid going missing? While Sabin railed on, Benedict noticed they were staring at him. You all think you're so high and mighty? You think it's okay to make fun of me for losing my dad just because I was mean to you in the past? You're not the good guys you think- Benedict. We weren't making fun of you. Rowan was just informing us about what happened. I am so sorry for what we've done to give you that impression of us. I don't want you to remember us like that. No one deserves to lose someone they love. If anyone can understand that position, it's me. It's painful. You may never fully recover from that pain, but I sincerely hope you do. Azrael led the three others off, leaving Benedict stunned and silent. He hadn't expected that. He had expected to get into a fight, one he could win, at least in his own mind, and walk off with a sense of righteous vindication. It wouldn't have fixed anything, but it would have helped him for a moment. Instead, he was given pity. Pity that lay bare the fact that he was wounded, and that neither Azrael nor anyone else could help him, only recognize his pain. And, like most cases, this pity came from a kind heart, making it difficult to hate Azrael. These feelings raced through Benedict, there on the field, as he became more and more alone. You don't want him to remember us like that? Yes. You spoke like you don't plan on coming back. Do you? What's left here? How... My future lies beyond these walls. I think you're right. I mean, after what happened, how can we just return to normal life here? You're right. If she's alive, my mother must be somewhere out there. 
The four found themselves stunned once more, standing before the gap-toothed gate. The sun had set far behind the wall, shrouding the road ahead in darkness. Atara found herself confronting that silly childhood fear. Perched on the edge of the unknown, each of them felt the potential energy building internally. They could not fight it for long, and upon its release, it would explode into the kinetic energy of an irreversible decision. To stay or to go. Well, let's go. Sabin began the march toward the gate. None of the other three hesitated in following. Halt! While grappling with the anxiety spurred on by their departure, the four college students hadn't accounted for the obvious fact that there would be guards to prevent foolish people, like themselves, from doing foolish things, like storming out of the only home they had ever known on a dangerous quest for revenge. What in the world do you think you're doing? Um... Well, you see, we were going... We were just about to... Never mind them. We'll simply be on our way. Naya ran to join her friend's pathetic attempt at persuading the guard. Um, excuse me? Surely you heard me. Please stand aside. I am Naya Highwatch, daughter and heiress of the family who built this wall. Which means, of course, that... I pay her wages, and therefore, you answer to me. So please, stand aside. Uh, yes, of course, uh, but why do you need to- You do not have the clearance to know the answer to that, and therefore you are out of line in asking that. Uh, um, uh, uh, our most sincerest apologies, Miss Iwatch. The confused and panicked guards stood to one side as the five passed through. So you are joining us. Yes. Wherever my place is, it's not here. Sorry to wait to the last minute. <laughs> nah. Nah, you arrived just on time. The road leading to the gate had once been paved and ornate, but decades of neglect led to overgrowth. Small stones were caught in the trees that grew through the road. Fallen lantern posts mingled with dead branches. A large rut created by the terrible war machine that tore down the gate a week before, had cast this all aside. The last undiscovered remnant of the attack. Or so they thought. The party traveled for an hour, putting Highgate far behind them. The lights of the province were no brighter than the stars above. Yet there was no end to the forest in sight. At some point along the way, the rolling terror they felt at the onset of their travels had simmered down to a sable fear. They had been able to accept it enough to set it aside and focus on the walk. For the third time that day, the party froze. Well, well, well. What do we have here? Little birds lost their nest? <laughs> We're just passing through. No one just passes through these parts. Not on this road. I knew the men and women who took this road. You sure don't look like them. What, <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> I was right. You are naive. Like lambs to the slaughter. Or maybe pigs. 
fattened up on the luxury of wealth. I guess the majority of you look poor, though this little miss looks spoiled enough to make up the rest. Altogether, you certainly have enough on you to at least make this robbery worth it. Let's make this nice and easy. Back away. <laughs> Come on! The bandits pounced at the party. They were matched in number, five against five, although outmatched by experience. Yet, our heroes did not go down immediately. To the surprise of the bandits, the party countered the first round of attacks. Then the battle turned. Atara fell back to gain better positioning for her bow, leaving Azrael, Rowan, Naya, and Sabin in close quarters with the brutes. At this, Naya found herself overwhelmed. As she dodged out of the trajectory of one of the bandits' swords, the unbridled stream of fear inside her merged with the unbridled stream of magic. Her form began to take on a lupine quality until she was fully transformed into a young wolf. The bandits were confused long enough to let her flee past them into the cover of the forest. She dashed behind a tree and reverted to her human form. What the fuck was that? Something you'll have to get used to. Leaning against the same tree was the man from the forest. With practice, you'll achieve greater wonders than a simple wolf. Naya turned away from him and huddled against the tree, listening to the battle. By now, Sabin sustained a bloody nose and what would become a black eye the next morning. Azrael's eyes burned from the little embers sparked with each slash dealt to his armor. Rowan remained relatively unharmed as she stood at the edge of the battle, casting what few spells she knew to assist Sabin and Azrael. A couple yards away, Atara stood physically untouched, but mentally she grew unsteady as fear mounted. It caused her arrows to go wide, whizzing past friend and foe. Desperation and rage built in Azrael. He could not be deterred from his quest. But if he should die here, he'd make sure the bandits would remember it as a challenge. The noise from the battle roused a certain half-orc from his sleep. One week prior, his years of lonely wandering had been interrupted by the fiery war engine just before it decimated Highgate. Throughout the half-decade he had spent alone, he hoped that his first contact with sentient life would be joyous. Instead, he had felt only dread, a dread he could do nothing about. On that night, he snuffed his campfire and waited the long hours for it all to end. Tonight, the sounds of battle differed from a week before. Smaller, yet with the same sense of cruel men preying upon the innocent. Tonight, he decided he would not hesitate. The half-orc picked up his maul and charged toward the commotion. All involved in the battle were stunned by the large figure barreling out of the forest towards them, unsure of whom he would attack. In this moment of pause, the half-orc fell upon the bandit leader. The tide turned as the half-orc shifted his attention toward two of the other bandits. Confidence restored, Atara landed an arrow through one of the bandits' knees. 
He and his compatriots realized the futility of remaining in battle, each scattered in a different direction. One in his retreat caught Atara off guard and knocked her to the ground. Only the leader remained, locked in combat with Azrael. The young man brought his sword down with crushing force on the blade of the bandit leader, sending him sprawling. When he turned back to his opponent, Azrael stood over him, sword at his throat. Azrael held him there for several seconds, conflict raging through his head. So, uh, what are you gonna do, big man? Uh, I don't know. I'm still deciding. Uh, Azrael, you don't have to do this. We've won. Azrael raised his sword into the air and drove it directly into the ground. <laughs> Pathetic. Go. Get out of here. The bandit inched away from the blade. He stood, spat at Azrael's feet, then turned tail and ran back toward his gang. At the same time, Naya crept her way back to see how her friends fared. Oh, hey. Thanks for the help, Naya. Great job. Real team player you are. Just be thankful we're alive. Naya ignored Sabin and instead rushed to Atara. Hey, are you okay? You're, you're bleeding. Yeah, I... Oh, I think I hit my head when that bandit knocked me over. Here, hold still. Naya grasped Atara's head, then passed a glowing green hand over the cut on her scalp. Better? Oh. Much better. Thank you, Naya. I really appreciate it. Um, sorry to interrupt, but... We have a guest. Rowan said as she cautiously approached the bloodied half-orc. Who are you? What do you want? My name is Cortez Telcanion. I want only to help you. Why... I know very little, yet I do know the evil of those men, and men like them. Men like the ones who attacked your province. Their evil took my home for me as well. I do not know you, but I can sense your quest against that evil. Cortez lowered to one knee and offered up his maul on open palms. If you have need of me, I offer my strength to your cause. Azrael placed his hands on those of the half-orc and pushed the weapon back toward him. Hold on to that. I'm sure we'll have need of it in the future, but only while it's in your grasp. Well, now that that's settled, I think the new guy should take first watch. With that, the band of heroes, known one day throughout the land as Aurora Nova, was fully formed. Wait, 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 wait. You telling me that these chuckle fucks are Aurora Nova? No, no way. Oh my goodness. Can you get me more crackers? This is getting good. 
Legacy Saga is produced by Welcome Mat Radio, written and narrated by me, the artist currently known as Mosmo Napoli, sound design and audio engineering by Austin Olivia Kendrick, additional sound editing by Sam Trout, vocal direction by Matthew Moore, music direction and composition by Emma Whitley and Mac and Carol. Full cast lists can be found in the episode description. For more detailed information about the show, visit our website, welcomematradio.com or follow us on Instagram and TikTok at welcomematradio or on Twitter at matt underscore welcome. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to tell us what you think over on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice so you don't miss out on the story. Thank you.